Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Monday, June 26th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Removing a honeybee hive from someone's house without hurting the bees is a tricky job. Every move I make in here, I could kill the queen, so I gotta be real slow. In just a few minutes, we'll follow a Kansas City beekeeper as he takes on that challenging task. A federal appeals court has ruled farmers in several states, including Missouri, should be compensated for flooding on the Missouri River. Harvest Public Media's Elizabeth Rembert reports on a lawsuit that started nearly 10 years ago. In 2004, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers changed its management strategy on the Missouri River to include wildlife protections. Nearly 400 farmers say that caused flooding starting in 2007. They argue the government basically took their land and they want to be paid for their property and for flooded crops. A federal appeals court agreed. Seth Wright, an attorney for the farmers, says it's a step forward. Our clients are frustrated. It's been a decade and a half since we have had the first flood. And so they've been waiting a long time to be compensated for these losses. A spokesperson for the Justice Department, whose lawyers are representing the Corps, says they're reviewing the court's decision and considering next steps. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Elizabeth Rembert. St. Louis's Reparations Commission is on track to submit a report to the Board of Aldermen and Mayor in March. The Post-Dispatch reports the group held its third public meeting over the weekend. Chair Kayla Reed says the panel will listen to the public and hold elected officials accountable for any recommendations after generations of segregation in the city. The newspaper reports money has not been designated for any reparations so far. The committee is conducting research and gathering more public comment. Another meeting is set for next month. An Illinois lawmaker is calling for an optional surcharge on music festival tickets to help support hosting communities. Alex Degman reports. Festivals like Riot Fest and the Reset Concert Series can disrupt the neighborhoods they're held in for weeks at a time. But a proposal from State Representative LaShawn Ford would allow a 2% tax on each ticket to help offset that if the community wants it. Ford says a designated nonprofit would decide how to spend the proceeds. And they could use that money to do things like send kids to summer camp, to do things that they cannot afford. Um, Lindell has a need to help people with substance use disorders. That money could be used for that as well. None of the money would go to event organizers who already pay to clean and fix parks after festivals. But the measure would also cover festivals in any home rule community in Illinois. I'm Alex Dagman. The Kranzberg Arts Foundation is accepting applications for its residency program open to visual artists, writers, and musicians. Residents receive workspace, marketing support, and the chance to display their work in the Kranzberg's galleries or perform on its stages. Executive Director Chris Hansen says the idea is to let artists focus on their work. Residencies like this offer time and space, the type of resources that allow an artist to focus And then we help them get it on the wall or the stage or whatever the platform needs to be. Eight people will be chosen for the 18-month program. Two musicians and residents will perform at the Music at the Intersection Festival. The foundation is also accepting applications from any musician who wants to be considered for that festival lineup. The Missouri Department of Conservation says a second invasive northern snakehead fish has been found in the state. 
It was captured last month in the Duck Creek Conservation Area, about an hour southwest of Cape Girardeau. The state says the invasive fish is native to Asia. The snakehead preys on native species. The first northern snakehead in Missouri was reported in 2019. It looks like a snake, but is much longer than a bowfin, which is native to Missouri. The Department of Conservation says it is an air breather and can survive outside water for a considerable time. Officials are advising people to kill any northern snakehead they may capture. The Southeastern Rodeo Association is celebrating its 10th anniversary, highlighting the contributions of black cowboys in the American westward expansion. St. Louis Public Radio's Brian Munoz reports on the St. Louis stop for the open black rodeo. Roughly 8,000 spectators packed into Chaffetz Arena this weekend to watch high-adrenaline rodeo events, including bronc riding, steer wrestling, and bull riding. Charmaine Barnett made the nearly three-hour trek from Macomb in western Illinois to attend her first rodeo. As the first bronc rider went up to the chute, Barnett was absolutely captivated. Barnett says she will definitely be returning to the event in the future. And I'll come back year after year. This is better than Egypt and Dubai, and I've been. And I'm not going back to Egypt. I will come back here. This was the Black Rodeo's first time back in St. Louis since 2018. I'm Brian Munoz, St. Louis Public Radio. Honeybees may not be native to North America, but the insects are critical to pollinating field crops and tree fruit, not to mention the honey they make. Occasionally, Missouri's official state insects make their homes in inconvenient places. Julie Denishay reports on a Kansas City beekeeper known for stepping in to help. Honeybees come and go on a recent June morning buzzing around a crack in the siding of an old stone house built in 1920. They've built their hive beneath the floorboards of an upstairs bedroom in Dan Tarwater's South Kansas City home. Tarwater's a caretaker of the Veterans of Foreign Wars post next door. He says the bees aren't a problem, but it's time for them to go. Last fall, the bees moved in. They're gonna take the hive out, extract the bees alive, and move them up to North Missouri. To do the job, Tarwater called Dan Kroll. He's a local beekeeper who volunteers at Mannheim Community Gardens in Midtown, and he keeps hives on the urban hillside there. Kroll gets a lot of calls from concerned homeowners when they spot swarms of honeybees clustered in trees on warm spring days. Now that swarming season is over, he's on the lookout for the swarms that got away like this one in Tarwater's home. If they're not in a place where they're causing problems like this one, I suggest that they just leave it, but um, not everybody can countenance having a bee colony in their house. Kroll plans to capture Tarwater's bees, then seal up the entrance to the hive. So he heads upstairs to check out the bedroom where the bees have taken up residence. Kroll's friend Alejandro Lozano is already here, pulling back the rug to reveal a thick hardwood floor. To pinpoint the bees, Kroll uses their heat as a clue. They have to keep the hive at a certain temperature to keep the brood warm. So, that you know, a 70-degree air-conditioned house is a little chilly. Watch the temperature go. 71, 72, 74, uh-oh, yeah, 80 okay. right there. We might be able to hear them, too. If I just bang on the floor a little bit. My head. <laughs> yeah, let's get them riled up before we start cutting. Stop talking. I can hear something, but it doesn't sound like, like when they feel threatened, they shimmer. So they'll all kind of go, ooh, 
and I didn't hear that, but but I feel like the, the temperature is a pretty good indication. After crawl targets a two foot by four foot area, it's time to cut into the floor. But first, crawl uses puffs of cool smoke from a handheld smoker to distract and quiet the bees. Once they're calm, the cutting can begin. The bees have filled the space beneath the floorboards with wild honeycomb. Even when he's disturbing a hive like this, Kroll says he rarely wears protective gear. You gotta keep in mind they're livestock, right? So we've been raising them for thousands of years, so we've been selecting for three characteristics. One, how much honey they make. Two, how cold hardy they are. And three, how chill they are. <laughs> bees begin to buzz around the room and tar water opens a window. Kroll gets to work with a knife to carefully remove the hive and harvest the honey. Every move I make in here, I could kill the queen, so I gotta be real slow. Yeah, And also every fast movement I make is a sting waiting to happen. All right, ladies, coming in for another pass. Kroll estimates these bees have been here for at least a season or two. After several hours of careful work, he says it's been a successful day. We found exactly what we were hoping. We've exposed a very healthy hive full of Tons and tons of honey is probably 30 pounds of honey there. This is about as good as it gets. This is, it's, it's beautiful. Lots of honey, lots of healthy bees. Now that Kroll's captured them, he'll be taking the bees to a farmer tobacco farm in Weston, Missouri, where he keeps 50 hives on a restored native prairie. Kroll calls it bee heaven. I'm Julie Denache. Julie is a reporter at member station KCUR in Kansas City. Ashley Listenby is the news director of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.